Translation, I go for refuge to the mind, to the Buddha, the Dharma, the Supreme Sandwich. Okay. Uh, we are still in the preliminaries. We are. We talked about uh, what makes a teaching authentic. What ma- what makes a teaching worthy of considering? What makes a teaching worthy of practicing? How do you decide? You are thrown into the world. So far, uh, you haven't met someone that you can say, uh, oh, this is Buddha Shakyamuni. You can't say that uh, you've heard him, you've heard him uh, directly speak. So how do you know those uh, books that are said to be his words, how can you tell whether or not they are his words or not? And why should you care about whether or not they are his words? 
it's the reason sort of uh, started on uh, on the previous page, on page 50, where you're being urged to seek Dharma, and but you have to be, and what is it that's making you, what's, what is giving rise to the urge to seek Dharma? Why do you want Dharma? There's something you want from Dharma. And once you get the Dharma, how do you know that you are, what you have is what will help you get to the goal that you are aspiring after. And there was something that we read on page 50, uh, that paragraph, that's, that's just how it is, even in some little matter of this present life, like, like when you're buying or selling something, you take a lot of care, you do something you can, you do everything you can think of. You run around and ask other people you spend a lot of time thinking over what to do yourself. But no matter how big a mistake you make with something like this, it's not, it's not going to help you, it's not going to help or hurt you in your future life at all. And the reason for putting that little sentence in there is uh, the, the thing that we take a lot of care about, uh, there is this, or almost natural instinct when you're about to get something that you that are, that, that that is of uh, uh, that you put a lot of value in you don't just go get whatever somebody gives you you want you want to make sure that what you're getting is something that is truly of the value that you're ascribing it to ascribing to it and you say but things like that that we we spend we make we we spend uh we invest a lot of care in, in getting and in, in getting in this in this in this very fashion. Uh, this thing is not going to help us in our future life, and yet we we make sure that we 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 uh, we we do all that we can before we get it. But when it comes to dharma, if you meet up with a spiritual teaching that's wrong, though. You make a mistake that affects the ultimate goal of all your lives. But when it comes to Dharma, you want to make sure that the Dharma that you're getting, the teaching that you're getting, is something that is the, the right one. Just like uh, the, the effort that you spent in trying to get a, I don't know, if you're buying gold, for example, you want to make sure that you get real gold. You, if, you don't, if you're not sure about the qualities that you're supposed to, real gold is supposed to have, so you go and ask someone that you know, knows how, who does, who deals in gold, and ask them, is this real gold, or something like that. But the gold is not going to help you in your future life. But the Dharma is something that, if you get the wrong one, it's, gonna, it's definitely going to affect your future life. It's not like, uh, if it's the wrong one, and, and it's just, you know, Toss it in the garbage, and it, you know, it doesn't really do anything. But it actually does something. It affects you in the opposite way, because it's something that you're going to pick up, something that you're going to do. It's going to be something that's going to inform your actions, and whatever action you do, you're going to have a result from that action. So the instruction that is going to be informing your action, it better be a good instruction. Okay. Uh, and I think we were trying to get to uh, why, why is it that 
someone in trying to uh, you trying to get goal, you spend a lot of you you make sure you want to make sure that you get you you have the right you have the right stuff you have real goal, but when it comes to dharma, when it comes to spiritual teachings, when it comes to religion, uh, generally speaking, people don't question what is given to them as spiritual teaching. They just uh, you are told this is spiritual teaching, and you just take the word of whoever's given it to you. And you and you and you and you try to incorporate it, try to uh, try to incorporate it, trying to make it, trying to do what it tells you to do, without examining it as much as you would if you were giving a piece of gold. So I, I was trying to get to the reason why someone would do that, uh, and I think it has to do with this pre. Uh, preconceived notion about not questioning religion. If someone gives you something that is religion, somehow you feel that if you question it, you're doing something wrong, if you question it. Religion is that everything else that is supposed to be of value, supposed to be a, uh, a value to you, it is the right thing to question it. But when it comes to religion, we think of it as, here is this stuff that doesn't fit into the category that is supposed to be valuable, but you're not supposed to question it. And the very idea of questioning it is somehow doing something wrong. And perhaps that's the reason why when you receive something that is supposed to be uh, spiritual, that is supposed to be Dharma, we feel that we are doing it honor by not questioning it. <clears throat> but one of the beautiful things about Dharma, uh, when the Buddha is just, when, you know, it's probably in that book, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know exactly what page it is, but uh, it's talking about the three jewels, the the qualities of the the three jewels. Yeah, okay. Uh, so w- when it's describing the, the Dharma, uh, the Buddha s- describes uh, uh, what are the, what would be, it's like what are the benefits, not the benefits, what are the qualities, what are the characteristics of good Dharma? And one of the, one of the characteristics that the Buddha describes is that the Dharma is something, should be something that invites you, that encourages you to question it. If you encounter a teaching, and in the teaching, somehow the teaching is discouraging you from, from questioning it, you should question the, the validity of that teaching. And he said the, the, one of the, the essential qualities of good teaching or good dharma is that it actually in, encourages you to analyze it, to question it. Okay. So, um, so, you, so you shouldn't feel this, uh, I would say, this, uh, I, would, I would say it's unnatural, this unnatural uh, uh, sense of, uh, this unnatural fear of questioning a teaching. Okay. If, if, if you feel afraid to question a teaching, to question its authenticity or not, there's something, un- that's unnatural. Okay. Just like it would be unnatural for you to 
or somebody say, oh, somebody gives you a lump of whatever and say, this is gold. You can buy, you can buy, you know, you can get whatever you want from it. You don't just, you don't just take it. You examine it to see if it's real or not. Okay, so that's natural. So someone give you something and say, this is, this is, this is dharma. This will, this will, this will dharma you. It will take you out of suffering. It will take you into definite. Uh, it's a nice term. People, uh, some translators have used. It will take you to definite goodness. So, so you don't just take that person's word and take it and start doing what this this teaching is telling you. You examine it first, okay? And if you feel that you shouldn't do that, that's unnatural, okay? And especially if the teaching that has been given to you is encouraging you to not to study it, okay? You should question that, all right? And then, just like uh, someone gives you a lump of something and it says it's this, you would already need to have like a list of qualities that gold is supposed to have for you to be able to to uh, to uh, how do you say to measure to to test you need you need some some list of things to test against that to make sure that it is it is gold right so it must have this quality it must have that quality because these are the qualities that supposed to make that that make something gold so what are the qualities that make something dharma okay so that's what this list is about. The, last, the, the list that is given on page 51 at the bottom. Therefore, we can say that the teaching we decide to practice should have three distinguishing features. Okay? And uh, all these three things are in themselves very good. Okay? In themselves. Like, it, if it is true that what you have is something that has all these three distinguishing features, then definitely it is a teaching that it is a teaching that you should practice. It is something that will take you out, definitely take you out of suffering. It is something that when you uh, uh, practice what it tells you, what it suggests you to, to do, it will definitely bring you to definite goodness. But, unfortunately, it's like someone tells you, in order for you to know that it's gold, you need, uh, what is that big machine that costs billions of dollars? Uh, Accelerator? Is that what it's called? Yes. Particle, particle accelerator. Okay. And someone tells you, okay, for you to know that this is real gold, you need a particle accelerator. Okay? I mean, how many people do you know has a particle accelerator in the backyard? Okay? <laughs> That's almost, almost like impossible for you to... Feel. I mean, it, it, it is possible, but... Have it in the shed. <laughs> but... Is it something that everybody can, 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 you know, can, can, is it a test that everybody can do? Well, the first one is almost like a, you know, it's almost like, you know, oh, first of all, put it in a particle accelerator. Say, it should have been taught by the Buddha. I find that to be like a, you know, go find a particle accelerator. Because the Buddha is not around for me to say, oh yeah, I heard the Buddha said that. How do I know it should have, that it was, that this was taught by the Buddha? Because that's one, of, that's one of the criteria. It should have been taught by the Buddha. So far, how do I know these books were taught by the Buddha? Someone told me. Not the Buddha. Someone told me, oh, these were taught by the Buddha. And then who told that person? Someone told him. And who told them? Someone told him. So there is this trust that it must have been taught by the Buddha. But, at, but, but, but it's not an impossibility it's not that the Buddha, there, wasn't, there was not a Buddha, it's not that there was, uh, 
Uh, the Buddha never taught anything. It's like somebody who, who kept the vow of silence for, for the rest of his life. He did teach. And supposedly he did teach something that's supposed to take you, you know, it's supposed to really take you to definite goodness. Okay? So, the, the rest of the characteristics already somewhat support to know that, if, that maybe it was taught by the Buddha. Okay? So it should have been cleaned of any errors. Now, th th the first sentence that should have thrown you off. Because the Buddha only doesn't teach anything that has errors. Why should somebody who's not a Buddha come and clean it? Hmm? Yes. <laughs> now, is it, is, it, is it the Buddha's teaching bec uh, over time develop flaws? Yeah. And then uh, and as they're expanding upon it or as they're uh, explaining it, some of their own ideas get into it. Okay? Like the Buddha said, say ah. Okay? And then someone, someone, say, someone add to it, the Buddha say ah, chu. Yes, the Buddha did, did say ah, but the chu you put that in there. Okay? So. <laughs> <laughs> then a whole string of things comes into it. Yeah. So the person who, so it says sages must have brought the teachings to its authentic final form, having examined it to determine whether any wrong ideas crept into it after the Buddha taught it. Okay. So the second one is already somewhat hinting to you, something to you. It is giving you a hint. It, this three things are not what the Buddha said. The Buddha then said, this is how you know, this is what makes my teaching authentic. The Buddha then said, this is what, make my te what makes my teaching authentic. I must have, I must have taught it. <laughs> my disciples must have, uh, uh, my disciples should have uh, uh, make sure that I didn't say anything wrong. <laughs> And if I did, they cleaned it. Okay? So the second one is sort of telling you that wrong ideas started to creep in after the Buddha taught it. Then how, and what is the process of removing those errors? Disciples of the Buddha practice those things that they've heard and some things actually led to an authentic realization and some other things didn't lead anywhere. Or perhaps some, of, some other things may have contradicted the, the parts that actually led to an actual realization. So that's a sage, someone who actually took the, took the teaching, practiced it, and in their own realization, their own experience, they were able to decipher or oh, this thing that I'm hearing now is definitely goes against what I know I did that brought me true realization. Or oh, this part, this is what I this is what I did. This is what I this is what I did, and this helped me gain the realization that I have. Okay. So the idea of having examined it to determine whether any wrong ideas have crept into it after the Buddha taught it. You know, it's. Uh, it's like, what's that game called? 
that has a name for that game. You know, you say it to that person, that person says it to that person. Telephone, right? So, you know, you know, even even before even before the actual invention of the telephone, people used to play that game. <laughs> there was this thing as this phenomena has been going on, and I think perhaps uh, and don't don't quote me on that, and 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 I'm not saying anything that is uh, that I got from some lineage or anything. And I think this is the one of the reasons why. Uh, among the three, uh, what do you call it? Jude, this, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. When you put the I C at the end, it's just Abrahamic. Okay, for some reason I can't say it when that has the I C at the end. I have to really think. Okay, among the among the Abraham Ik. <laughs> traditions. Uh, what was that? <laughs> so among those traditions, uh, uh, the uh, the Muslim tradition, the founder came out with the book, so that the idea of wrong, I uh, wrong uh, writings. Coming, uh, creeping into it, sort of like you know, get eliminated. You, so there's, there, 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 uh, the, 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 uh, what was it? the condition or the event of having a dispute about whether whether or not he wrote it, the, 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 the it sort of eliminates the possibility for, for that. But the possibility of I mean, we experience it. That's why there are so many different versions of of, uh, of the Bible. Because the Buddha, um, um, Jesus didn't write. What he, he didn't give him a teaching that he wrote. He spoke, and after some time, some uh, some someone in trying to relate to someone else. Oh, this is what I. This is what this is what the Buddha. This is what the ah. This is what Jesus said, and later on, later on, later on, and then uh, things got embellished a little bit about so what Jesus said, what Jesus didn't say. And then that's why, uh, even now, that's why within uh, the Christian community there uh, continues to be disputes about what is, what, is it that the, the, uh, what is it that Jesus really said. And the same, the same phenomena, of course, exists in every religion, where, uh, every religion, every institution that starts that way. And in, in Buddhism, of course, it exists because the Buddha then write something down and then and then taught it and then give the book so that people can can, can refer to it. Wasn't there the, the conference about the year one thousand where all the Buddhists got together and decided, you know, there's a splinter too much, you know. Oh yeah, uh, actually this happened uh, a few times. Oh, okay. And then the Theravadan tradition continues to do that every so often. Okay. Where they get together and they try and, and, and they try to decide uh, uh, what's legitimate, what's legitimate. But so, but so far it's sort of uh, it's set. Okay, so what what the Tibetans have is 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 sort of being set. Okay, this is what we consider to be the words of the Buddha. And the Theravadins have already made it. Okay, this is set. This is what we consider to be the words of the Buddha. So the councils that they continue to have is more like a 
more like a and more like a an event just to strengthen the, the the sense of fraternity. Okay. Now, when you get a teacher, say uh, I go off and get another teacher, and mm -hmm. he says he's the chew, he's the chewer. Yeah, uh -huh. he's adding something, and I don't believe him. Should I believe, not believe everything he says, or just part of it? Or is it all up to me? Oh uh, yeah, that's the question. And I mean, the reason I say that's the question. I'm connect. I, I will connect it to what I said earlier. Earlier, your very question: Should I question it? Because mm. you know the person I'm learning it from is adding the, the something mm. else. Uh -huh. But what he, where, wherever they got it, they you yeah, know, it's pure. It's it. What it's, it's pure it's, what? It's, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the lineage is the. It's it's the lineage of the true. Uh, true uh, lineage. Yeah, and of the yah, not the true. <laughs> <laughs> the yah. Um, <laughs> where they got their teaching, uh, whoever's getting it considers it pure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. The person who they're getting it from has changed it. Okay. Okay. And you're, and you're the third one? Yeah. Okay. I'm not too far along the path. Okay. And now, the th you being the third one, you hear this person who believes that what he's saying is the authentic teachings of the Buddha. Yeah, should. How, d and then you, you want to know what, what... Do you eliminate everything that person's saying, that teacher's saying, or just take and, you know, take this part, leave this part, I mean, well, you said, can you separate it? Yeah, that itself, uh, there's already a, it's... Um, there's already an apparatus, uh, uh, how would you say that? The idea of take, six, take, take, take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that, it's, it's already been discouraged. There's already a tradition of discouraging that. Mm. Okay? Because uh, it, it, you're told that if you do something like that, you will end up with just mush. Yeah. yeah. And you don't want to end up with mush. Uh, of course, uh, much in a sense of, of uh, this person, uh, the much that you're being warned against, this is what they're really referring to, is re they're referring to you coming up with a system that is a mixture of different systems in a sense of... Uh, this system says uh, meditate uh, uh, let's say to reach, reach all-encompassing love meditate on rocks falling in the ocean and this one says to <laughs> to, to develop all-encompassing love meditate on uh, forest fires okay and then you come up with a system that says to develop all encompassing love you meditate on forest fires while rocks are falling in the ocean that's a mush okay but the idea of let's say for example you know meditating on rocks falling in the ocean doesn't lead to uh developing all-encompassing love and this person is saying that's what it is like the third person with the mush right 
meditating and you and, and you say oh maybe uh, meditating on on forest on the forest fire maybe that will, will will lead then you pick that one it's not that you pick something from there pick something from there and you, and you come up with a, some sort of a, a bouillon some sort of a you know stew, <laughs> stew. okay <laughs> that's not that's not the idea so how and if you're in your own analysis how do you know what you're receiving of this part was added this part wasn't added you can only you, you have to use your own your own experience your own reasoning okay. now from the, the, the like a personal side if they you know uh, the, the teacher starts saying one certain thing you're like uh, you know meditate on the the forest fires mm -hmm. can you believe them for should you believe them for everything else well, if you oh, yeah, because then you're yeah, just, you're just you eliminating know, one part. If you know for certain that that other half of it has nothing to do with uh, uh, meditating, has nothing to do with uh, uh, developing love, developing all-encompassing love, but you know for sure may, may, the other one does do that, so that that's that's your answer right there. It's not whether or not you should believe what the other thing that they say. I guess your question is also ha uh, uh, has in it: Should I continue to go to this teacher? Yeah. And if you feel that you have to do too much work and decide and removing uh, stuff, good stuff from bad stuff, and he's the only one available, then continue <laughs> to do the work. Nothing personal. <laughs> <laughs> but but if 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 you're doing too much work and doing. Uh, if the, the good stuff that you get is like the effort that you go through to get to that stuff, it's not worth the effort, then leave. Find, find another one. Yeah. So, something that, you know, in the Lam Rim especially, uh, you know, when we, this, this particular Lam Rim, this particular uh, teaching, when it talks about the teacher, for example, it gives you just a little warning tiny bit of a warning. Seconds of anger towards your lama destroys eco anchor, ego, eco eons of virtue collected. When you read stuff like that, it scares, you know, the bejesus. Bejesus? Bejesus? No, it scares that out of you. <laughs> and you're afraid because if, if, I, uh, if I do the wrong thing now to, toward this particular person, then, you know, I'm just going to, I'm mapping my uh, my, I'm mapping a road to def definitely going to hell, and you're afraid to question. You're afraid to 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 even re reason any further. Well, this is uh, uh, I take this example as an example that uh, the Buddha himself lived. Okay. The idea of, of uh, honoring your teacher, the idea of this idea of uh, a single of se seconds of anger towards the Lama, da 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 da, is something that only exists in Buddhism. It was a general understanding throughout India. Okay, no matter who's teaching you. Okay. So the Buddha went to different teachers, and when he put into practice what they asked him to put into practice. 
they got him to certain, he realized that they, they, the end that the teaching was able to get them to, he realized it, but he realized he, he, that it wasn't completely satisfactory. There was something missing. So what did the Buddha himself do? Did he force himself to stay with that person? Did he, did he uh, say, I better not leave this person, I'll go to hell because this is my lama? Because that was his lama. He left him. He said, what you're teaching me is not taking me to where I want to get to. I've, I've put into practice exactly what you've told me to, and I've realized what, it, what, what it's capable of making me realize, and it's not, help, it's not helping me realize what I really want. What did the Buddha do? He left. He didn't go around you know, you know, saying you know, that, you know, that <laughs> you know, around complaining and you know, so that, that, that good for nothing. You know, you know, what you're teaching is not what you're teaching is not what you're teaching, the goal of what you're teaching is not the goal I want. And that's completely within your rights. As a human being, as a sentient being, you are completely free. The idea of someone else is going to take you to hell because uh, you're, uh, you establish this relationship with them and then you better stick with that, you better stay, stick with them or, or, or that person's relationship will... will I don't, I don't know how to say it. It's like uh, you will go to hell depending on that, on that, uh, on the on the holiness of that person or something like that. It's like studying Buddhism at a Methodist church. You're Buddhist, but that's the only thing you have. So you're taking a little piece of the Methodist or Catholic or mm-hmm. whoever's teaching the sermon. Oh, and uh, they're saying you're going to hell, and you're like, no. Uh, yeah, uh, you understand what he's saying? I understand what you're saying. I thought that's sort of you're taking you're taking what's given. Mm-hmm. That you're going to the whatever church, mm-hmm. Christian church, and they're they're saying, "Well, be kind, be nice, be this, and mm-hmm. uh, believe in Jesus." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Well, be kind or be nice, but uh, the Jesus things out." Mm-hmm. So, but and they said, "If you don't do that, you're going to hell." Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I understand your example. Yeah, it's uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you uh, how do you uh, interpret? I mean, when reading the Unburn and it says all these things, yeah. do you not take it literally? Then? Yeah, don't take it literally. Don't. The Buddha didn't. And I'm, I'm following the Buddha. I'm not why following Joe. I'm not following Joe who's explaining the Buddha. Yeah. I'm just. I have a hard time. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Taking the the practical and combining it with the theoretical, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, from the standpoint that why would they say it if they didn't mean it? Maybe uh, don't we shouldn't so, some things that were said uh, were meant to embellish. Yeah, to uh, you, know, you say something and it's not enough. Then you have to sort of embellish it so that the person can. It's like a. Uh, like w- w- uh, when, you, when you're buying, uh, and when I'm thinking of something that has fillers, right? Like. To entice someone? Yeah. To entice someone. Uh, you mean like Taco Bell? Like a Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> 
McDonald's. There's all this embellishment around it, you know. And it's not like it's completely wrong for, for the embellishments to be there. But the embellishment sort of like uh, attracts your attention so you can get to the, uh, the real stuff. Okay. So view it as, as being introduced from a cultural context and that? Yeah, you could, you could say that that way. Okay. Now, I have to give you this, uh, I have to say this part too. Uh, you're reading something and there's something in it that you feel uncomfortable with in the beginning. Of course, it's all right for you to question your, your feeling of discomfort. Maybe your feeling of discomfort is wrong. Maybe it comes from a misunderstanding what, what, you're, what you're reading. Then you should examine that also. But what I'm talking about is after due examination and after testing, after uh, 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 doing proper questioning, that discomfort, instead of going away, it remains and it might even get stronger. Then what do you do then? It's not like at the very beginning someone says something and then you, you you have a sense of disagreeing with it. Like, and it could be your own prejudice, <coughs> your own misunderstanding that you have. Like for someone, someone says, uh, first time you're hearing about rebirth, for example, and you are told that constantly you are told that's it. This is the life. There's nothing. There's there's there's, there's no continuation after this. You die and that's it. You just you, you just you discontinue. And someone tells you about talks about rebirth as though it's uh, you know a common thing, then you will question that. There's nothing wrong with questioning this. The the, the reason for questioning it is re, is trying to get to the truth of it, and you sort of like now questioning it is is also you're questioning what you already understood, what you thought was truth. You're really questioning both. And then to outright say there's no such thing as rebirth, just because you were told there's no such thing as rebirth. That's wrong. But if you uh, consider it, and consider it, consider it in light what, what they're what they are telling you, this is a, this is this is for this is this is the truth of why rebirth. Truth, this is the elements as to why rebirth is a truth. This is the element why truth. And you examine those things that they're telling you, and then from what your own ex, from other experiences that you had, from other real experiences that you had, you say it doesn't jive. Then you, can, then you can say, this thing about rebirth is no, is, is no truth, is, is no good. Okay. Then you can say that. And there's nothing wrong with questioning whether or not rebirth is real. There's nothing wrong with, with asking that question. It's not, you're not being, being non-Dharmic, you're not being a non-Buddhist, you're not being... Uh, you're not doing a, an, an evil deed that's going to take you to hell. Okay. Remember what the Buddha said about one of the, one of the characteristics of true Dharma. It invites you to investigate it. Okay. Um, so the second part, the sages, uh, people who've actually put it into practice and the they examine, the, the, no, what else they examine? They examine here, here's a book, the Buddha taught this, or someone, they, hear, they, they hear someone say, or the Buddha said this. And, and why are you listening to it? What, what is being said, what is it supposed to help you do? It's supposed to help you get to 
nirvana, okay? And if through your own experience you, you know that it doesn't take you to nirvana, then you can say, uh, this is an error, this part. But this other part is, is, uh, does get you to nirvana. That's the difficult part because it takes quite a while to get to Iran. Yeah, it takes quite a while. <laughs> it's hard to test too many of these things. Yeah. 15 years into it. Well, these are the, for the ones that are a bit more subtle, to, but the things that are obvious, okay, you can just dismiss them. But if you have, uh, uh, like the one that you said, the, the example that you gave, for example, if there is something that is said, you feel a bit suspicious about it, but it's going to take you 15, 20 years to actually get to the truth of it. Then you just keep, a ho you hold on to it with a bit of a skepticism. Okay. Until you're, until you're finally, through your own experience, are able to say, oh, definitely this is true, or definitely this is false. And, and the last, the third one, it should have brought true realizations to the hearts of master practitioners once they have heard it, considered it and meditated upon it. And then it must have passed to us through the various generations of an unbroken lineage. Huh. Unbroken lineage. And what they're referring to as unbroken lineage cannot be what, cannot be an unbroken, cannot be what they're referring to. When you think of an unbroken lineage, lineage what do you think of? What, what image comes to your mind? Mm. Yeah, a stream of people going back to, to the time of the Buddha. A stream of people. And, and what being said is what, is what is going through that stream. What you're hearing is supposedly what is actually was said within that stream. Ah, the Buddha said ah, and the person who heard, and you heard it, and you tell the person, ah, the Buddha said ah, and all the way to, to you now, that person was telling you, it goes through that lineage, and oh, the Buddha said ah. Okay. That's, that's the image you get in your mind of an unbroken lineage. And what would be a broken lineage? A splinter group. I think, what? I think he said ah. I think he said ah. I'm not sure. Uh -huh. No, that, with that image, you know, you, you heard it and you tell someone else. So, broken lineage would be... Someone starting in the middle. Yeah, someone starting in the middle. But how, what is that person starting? Their, their own idea. Yeah. And then that person start, has a lineage. Yeah. So the, it's like it's the Achu situation. So someone put Chu in there and then tell someone else. But the Chu part doesn't go back to the Buddha. So the Chu is an unbroken lineage. Mm -hmm. But couldn't the Buddha said Ah, but what he meant by it was Chu. <laughs> so it's your interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's actually... Uh, it just changes what... And then everybody mm -hmm. else says, Oh, well... Well, there is, said th this, but meant this. there is that. And how would you get to that? So it actually goes back to the Buddha that he said, ah, but when you're trying to, whatever ah is supposed to make you do, whatever, uh, whatever you're supposed to do with it, the way you understand ah, it doesn't help you get 
to what I supposed, what I is promising you to uh, promising you. And then there is there has been this understanding at the time of the Buddha, when someone says ah, that person really means chu. But that part of it didn't get to you. All you got was ah. And now ah has a different, a different context, different meaning. So the, the unbroken lineage would be explaining what ah means. This actually means true. And that part didn't get to you. You only got the ah. So yours would be, that would be another example of, of a broken lineage. So an unbroken lineage, and uh, and you know there are many lineages. So like the Buddha taught, let's say that to make the um, to make a nice round number, the Buddha taught ten people. So that ten that's ten lineages. If if there was no if when that one person the if. Uh, Let's see. So, if the Buddha taught ten people, so that would be ten lineages, right? Well, and would why be would it be ten lineages if they all ten have the same interpretation? No. Yeah. But if they don't, then it would be ten different lineages, right? So, how how would it become ten lineages? If they have different interpretations, and they're saying instead of "ah," they're saying "true" or making some other mm. interpretation. Now the other interpretation, uh, uh, let, let's say, uh, the Buddha said ah, and then when when one of those uh, ten persons uh, uh, heard it, they had this particular experience, and they expressed the particular experience. No, it's oh, it's rosy. It's like rose. So so that becomes the it's like rose lineage. When that person is explaining it to someone else, it says, ah, it's like a rose. Okay? So that becomes the, like a rose lineage. And you can take other flowers and other things. So, those are, so that would be like the, the ten lineages. So it's still the ah process through the person, and the person is expressing it, how they're expressing the realization that they have. But that's their realization now. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that. It's an authentic realization, and they have to speak it. But who's saying it's authentic? Who's saying it's authentic? Right. They, they have not, uh, I'm saying it. <laughs> I, I, I know, but, but I, thought, I thought it would have had to come from the Buddha himself. What, the, the authentic? Well, in order for it to be authentic and pure, in other words... No, we're not talking about the words. We're talking about the... Ex I'm sorry. Maybe. The Buddha said, ah. Right. Okay. And you, you hear it, you go home and you, you practice ah. And you have a realization. That's what the Buddha wanted you to do. He wanted you to have a realization. And then you have the realization. And now someone else wants that realization. And you're explaining ah to them. You're not going to be using the words, only the words of the Buddha. You're going to be using your words to explain what the Buddha taught you, that gave you that realization that particular style of explaining it becomes your lineage. Your lineage. Because the person you encounter, uh, uh, is not living at the time and the circumstances of the Buddha. 
So you have to explain it to that person according to their time and their circumstances. But it's still the word of the Buddha that you're, you're explaining. Now, the, it's not just, no, it's, it's not just though the exact words necessarily that makes a lineage. And sometimes it could be that. Like, there could be the lineage of uh, uh, where a specific word or a specific syllable is transmitted and no one is supposed to change that. And there, there could be a lineage where uh, it, that encourages inter personal interpretation of an experience. You have the experience and you're supposed to convey it in a way that is completely your way of conveying it. And then you're supposed to convey it in such a way that it actually helps that person gain that same experience. That's still an, an authentic lineage. What makes, the, what makes the true part, when I mentioned the true part in terms of uh, someone adding something, it's really adding something that doesn't help you get any realization. But it's added in there anyway. And, and the reason I'm, I'm sticking with, the, with, with, the, with this part of it is a lot of the things that you're going to get, that you're going to encounter, are not necessarily exactly what the words of the Buddha said. When I say exactly the words, I'm talking about the exact, you know, exactly, exact words. But how do you test it? You go look in the book to see if, if, if it was recorded? No, you... You use your own uh, reasoning. Does it make sense? And if you, and even if the, if even if it's something that is somewhat beyond your capacity to 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 get to the reason of it, still does it hold a sense of authority? And when you when you put it into practice, does it actually bring you realization? The realization is the lineage. Not the thing that the, 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 let me say the, not the props, not the, the clothing, the, 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 the form that, 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 is, that is carrying this realization to you. That's not, it's, that's, not what the, that's not what the authentic lineage is. That's not the unbroken lineage. Because if, if, that, if that's what is the unbroken lineage, then this entire book is already, it's already wrong. You just toss it in the fire. Because not one of these words is the word that the Buddha taught. But these words are pointing to an experience that is authentic. And that experience is an experience that the Buddha actually had. And that is worthy, perhaps, of, of gaining. And these words are helping you get to that. Okay. So to, if, because if it's the actual words that makes an authentic lineage, then everything that is just a commentary is, is, is not, it should be, taught, should be thrown in the fire. And some people have this idea of what, uh, that's what an authentic lineage is supposed to be. Uh, and also the unbroken lineage has the image of, uh, let's say, you never came in contact with, with, with any writings called scripture. Okay? But you have an inquisitive, open mind 
that is somewhat natural for you. Okay? And then when you examine things, you come up, you come up with realizations. You come up with realizations. And these realizations are authentic, authentic realizations. That is that you're not just making them up. You actually had these experiences. And you, and you were able to demonstrate to yourself that their, their authenticity and their truth. And then someone else sees you and someone is somehow uh, 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 is curious about, about, about your realizations and they ask you to teach them and you start teaching them. You didn't, you didn't, you, 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 this wasn't, it's not something that someone taught you. Something that you have your own, your own, your own experience, your own realization. Now, is this an unbroken lineage? Because this definitely doesn't go back to the Buddha. This person didn't hear it from this person who told him that, 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 goes back to the Buddha. Is what this person is saying completely worthless? Because you didn't have someone tell him to do what he's doing. No. It's not authentic? It's not worthless. It's not worthless. And how do you decide? It goes back again to practice, put it into practice. Examine it, mm -hmm. put it into practice. Because uh, what I started to mention last time with uh, Master Shantideva, when he came, when, when, when there was this a definite, uh, no, Buddhism was def had definite camps. You had the Mahayana, those who were calling themselves Mahayana, those who were calling themselves what was now uh, known as Theravada. And, and the reason that, th they were, uh, that they were in the different separate camps is because of this, this very idea. Is this authentic? Is this what the Buddha taught? The, 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 the Theravadins were accusing, and, and I don't, I don't, I'm not using the word accusing as though they were wrong to do that. I'm just, can't find another word. They were saying, they were saying that Mahaya, you Mahayanis, the reason that you're calling yourself Mahayanis, those reasons, those teachings that you are perpetuating, as far as we know, these are not the, these are not the teachings of the Buddha. The Buddha didn't teach these. Okay. So that's, that's why there was this, there was this, uh, these two camps set, set up. And as a response, you know, this is way after, you know, after... This, the Mahayana is already well established and has a very large, its own very large following. So now, Master Shantideva, who is now brought up within the Mahayana tradition, and then still encounters uh, uh, Theravadins, those who are not Theravadins, who, who, who still question the, the, a lot of the teachings of the Mahayanas. And then the way, the way Master Shantideva explained it, he said that, how do you know what you're practicing actually is the word of the Buddha? How do you know? Someone just told you. That's what it is. Someone told you this is the word of the Buddha and, that's, and, and that became for you the word of the Buddha. And he said uh, something to the effect that if what I'm practicing and by practicing it definitely leads me to the goal that it promises and it is something that I want, why should I care whether or not the Buddha actually 
distort those words or not. Because they actually lead to the goal. By that, by that quality itself, it is authentic. It is the word of the Buddha. Okay. So if, if you're uh, lost in a cave somewhere and then and uh, you're stuck there and then you start to you know, contemplate reality and then you see uh, by, you have this particular line, this particular way of contemplating, this particular thing of contemplating and you come up to some actual, some realizations that you cannot deny, that you can demonstrate to yourself is truth, then you have an authentic lineage. Your realization is true. So the method, uh, the, the, the props that you use, probably you didn't hear it from anybody, probably didn't go all the way back to, some, to the Buddha, but it doesn't, doesn't mean that you're, what you're saying is, is, has no value. And also, uh, last thing I'm going to be saying, uh, because this, the idea that, that has been presented in here uh, might scare some people. But scare some people it, not in a good way of, of uh, not everything I'm going to hear is, uh, is something that's going to be... Uh, worthy or something that's going to actually help me. But it also scares you in the other way. A, this is authentic Dharma, you better not question this, or you're going to go to hell. Then this becomes superstition. Whenever a teaching is telling me, A, I'm, I'm authentic, better not question me. Or if you, do the, if you do do that, you're going to go to hell. For me, that's teaching better. That's, that's something that's worth tossed, tossing out. If you're afraid of me looking at you, afraid of me testing you, then so might, you might be hiding something. <laughs> okay. So, uh, that is not what you're supposed to get when you're reading this, because it's going to continue with somehow making you think that's what this book is telling you. Hey, better be careful with this book, or you're going to go to hell. Don't question it. I'm authentic. If the Dharma we seek to practice has three, these three characteristics, it is authentic. We from our side will still might fail it through lapses in our effort and daily practice, but we need never fear that the teaching from its side will fail us. And this is where it starts to get, this is where I think people start to become uh, psychotic. <laughs> okay. This is authentic teaching. Why is it authentic? I just told you it's authentic. And you're going to go to hell if you, don't, if you, don't, if, if you think otherwise. So you better practice it. And you're practicing, you're practicing, practicing. It's not getting you anywhere. And it says, it says here, that's because it's your fault. The teaching is authentic. I told you. And it's supposed to help you. There's nothing wrong with it. And the reason that you're not, you're not, you're not getting any resistance is because there's nothing wrong with you. And you go around feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, look, I got the pure teaching. And... I'm, try, I'm practicing it, I'm not, getting anywhere. I'm not getting anywhere. There's something wrong with me, I'm an evil person. I have, I have discovered the devil, and it's me. I, I, should, I should be destroyed. Okay. 
And that authentic teaching is the very steps of the path, the highest, the acme, everything that the Buddha spoke is a precious collection of teachings on the perfection of wisdom. Okay. The overt subject matter of those teachings consists of the instructions on the profound on emptiness. These are included in the steps within whose we call the profound steps. The Wisdom Sutras also present what are known as the far-reaching. Oh, that was the word that he was looking for. Far-reaching this morning. Gishala. The far-reaching. That's, uh, that's the other translation of, of that word. Far-reaching. Far-reaching instructions. Instruction, those on working to save all living beings. That's the main thing of it. Okay? If putting these teachings into practice actually lead to those on working to save all living beings, instructions, working to save all living beings, then that makes it authentic. It's not authentic because Pabonga Nimbacha is telling you. It's not authentic because you want to respect your teacher and your teacher told you this is authentic. And if you don't believe it, then you go to hell. It's authentic because when you put it into practice, it actually brings you the, the realization that it promises you. Okay. Since, and in, in, in addition to that, since it is not exactly word for word what the Buddha taught, and yet it still leads you to, those, to the realizations, then something else that you must pay attention to when you're reading these teachings. It, it's, it's what I said that don't, Listen to the. Uh, what is it? Ah, I forgot how it goes. Meaning not the words. Meaning not the words. The teaching not the teacher. T teaching not the teacher. The meaning not the words. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So remember those things. So don't worry too much about the words. Try to get to, to what to the meaning that it's getting to. And that meaning is that is that's a meaning that gets you to the wisdom, to wisdom, to actual wisdom. If you didn't have it, if you didn't have the potential already in you to 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 be able to come to a true assessment of what is truth, then you can forget it. If you didn't have it, I'll repeat it. If you didn't have it already within you, the uh, the ability to make a proper assessment of what is truth. Then, then uh, you, you, it doesn't matter. Are you saying if you don't have the capacity to maybe I'm misunderstanding mm -hmm. yeah. to, to understand, then then it doesn't matter. Is that what you're saying? If you didn't already have within you right. some capacity, some latent capacity right. that is able to tell you, right. oh. I have found truth. Right. Then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, then it, you can forget about trying to find truth. You can never find it, even if someone took the truth and shoved it down your throat. Right. Because there's nothing within you that tells you, "Oh, this is truth." And truth is 
is a phenomena that can only be arrived at through that through that latent 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 capacity. And you have to exercise, you have to find that capacity and exercise it. Because if it is indeed if this is indeed the word of the Buddha, if this is indeed something that was uh, what that we use uh, what were the three three things that we came up with? Scrub. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you had no, un- if you didn't understand what scrubbing is, someone is doing scrubbing in front of you, you have no idea. You wouldn't be able to tell whether it's being scrubbed or not. So you must. There's already there's already something within you that's able to make that discernment, and you have to trust it. That's what I'm asking you to do. You have to trust yourself. All right. Um, this is it. We're gonna take a little. We're gonna take a break, and then we'll. Con- anybody have any? Anyone has any? Anyone have any questions? Yes. I wish I had attended this class like a year and a half, two years ago, because <laughs> I've been going to hell every day. <laughs> I don't understand this. I'm rejecting. Not rejecting it, but like in my mind, questioning a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and yet. You know, when you read it, literally, it's like, if you don't agree with this, you're, you're doomed, you know? Yeah. Eons and eons of being in hell and all. Yeah. Interesting. Thank, uh, you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Yeah. And what is my lineage <laughs> that makes me say that? Well, I, look, I look at the life of the Buddha. What did he do before he got to that goal that I find so attractive? He questions. He questioned. Because someone told him, hey, this teaching I'm giving you is going to give you to the, take you to the highest. And he practiced it. It didn't take him to the highest. What did he do? Oh, I'm doomed. I'm going to go to hell. This teaching didn't get me to the hell. He left. It's not that there was no religion or no practice whatsoever at the time of the Buddha and, he's, and he invented this thing called a practice. There were plenty of practices around. Why did he follow, just follow them and be satisfied? So, so would it be safe to say that in our practice, our daily practice, we adopt what we've tested, analyzed, and now examined and realized works mm-hmm. and then the things that we don't possibly understand or agree with to put on hold and yeah. revisit at a later time. Yeah. And don't feel guilty for putting it on hold. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, no more questions, then we'll go to the reading. The, the prayer. <laughs> so we recite the mandala now in uh, in English. You need a copy.
you see what I'm doing? I'm holding the mala while doing this. Now, because you see somebody, because you see me holding the mala, you might say, oh, I have to get mala. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing the mandala properly because I don't have a mala. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to hell. You're doing something <laughs> profound over there. Yeah. <laughs> this is just something I saw. I thought it was cute. I decided to do it. <laughs> okay, in English, the how does it go? Here's the crown, anointed incense, the flower strewn. Idam Guru Ratna Mentalakam Niriyataya. And uh, 26. So we do it both the Tibetan and the English. Kewadi Kewokan Sernam Yeshe Tsobzokshin. Sanam yeshez hachongwe Dhamba konye topar Good. By the virtue of beings of man and wisdom and achieve the two holy bodies Okay, you can uh, come back a little bit after 11ish